Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 824. Yesterday we took a look at what Princess Leia did immediately after the Battle of Yavin and the destruction of the Death Star. Today we're going to look at what Chewbacca got up to immediately after the Battle of Yavin. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, I'm Amy Ratcliffe from Full of Sith, and you're listening to Star Wars 7 by 7 the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and immediately after the Battle of Yavin, Chewbacca took off on a secret mission of sorts, and it turns out that that mission is not necessarily of great strategic import, but that's okay. I'm talking about a limited series from Marvel that came out last year. Was it last year already? Good heavens. Anyway, that series is one of three that got bundled together along with the Princess Leia series and a Lando series. Yeah, and uh, somewhat of a spoiler. We're going to be talking about Lando tomorrow. And speaking of spoilers, I guess I should say right off the bat that this is a spoiler-related podcast. So if you have not checked out the Chewbacca series and don't want it to be spoiled for you, then save this podcast for a later date. And if you don't mind hearing about it otherwise, then we will dive right in. And on a tangential note, I just caught myself saying we again when I really mean me, when I really mean myself and I. And I've talked about that on the podcast previously about how that's just some interesting verbal tick. Well, it turns out that as part of this last season of Vin Scully's, and I talked about Vin Scully and his influence on me as a broadcaster in Sunday's podcast, in listening to Vin a lot this year, which I was able to do, thankfully, I discovered that he uses we a lot and in situations where he certainly could be saying I instead. So maybe this is something that I picked up just unconsciously from him. I think that would be a really fascinating thing, but I digress. Let's talk about Chewbacca. So Chewie is off on his mission, which we find out what it is at the end of the story. The crash lands on a planet in the Outer Rim, Andelm 4. He's flying an A-Wing, which is pretty cool, and gives you pause for a moment because you think, hey, this is the Battle of Yavin. A-Wings? Really? And yeah, of course, A-Wings. I mean, just because we didn't see A-Wings in Star Wars, a.k.a. A New Hope, doesn't mean that they weren't around. Of course, they were around during Star Wars Rebels, for example. So yeah, we're just seeing, you know, one limited window of the Star Wars galaxy in the Battle of Yavin. So A-Wings, and they fit Wookiees, which is pretty cool, but something goes wrong with the A-Wing and he crash lands and he has to get a replacement part. It turns out that this planet is a source of deadlinite, which is a mineral that's used in manufacture and powering of blasters. 
and a gangster has a bunch of people working the mines for this material which he is trying to sell off to the empire now this of course becomes a problem because there's a girl who gets sucked into the mining operation because her dad has debt collection issues with this gangster and the dad manages to get her smuggled out of the mines or at least part way she has to escape somewhat on her own as well and happens to run into Chewbacca and somehow manages to convince him to help. I say somehow because, of course, Chewie can understand the girl speaking in basic, but she cannot understand him, and nobody really can understand him. And so that creates an interesting storytelling challenge. And it turns out that, uh, in a very fun fact about this series, that when the scripts were turned in for it, apparently, according to a write-up on Wikipedia, the scripts for Chewbacca's vocalizations were submitted both in growls and in English. So the folks at Lucasfilm could determine what he was actually saying and approve or disapprove of the story choices and the dialogue choices, essentially. It's the slavery thing that does it, of course. You know, Chewie... Very sympathetic to that, considering how Wookiees have been enslaved and how he was a slave at one point as well. And there's actually a really touching set of panels that show Chewie getting unnerved by being in a very tight space. So he has to actually get down into a mine shaft and there's an air shaft that he's going to squeeze through but it barely fits him and trying to go down it the first time he can't quite do it and there are a series of flashback images we get the first being of him in a net surrounded by a bunch of all right sorry Trandoshans, Trandoshans, Trandoshans that would be the guys represented by Bosk in The Empire Strikes Back my apologies on the pronunciation also, a shot of him grouped together with a bunch of his fellow Wookiees and then being locked in a cell. And yeah, he doesn't like confined spaces, and he actually has a moment where he can't quite deal with it, and then resets himself and gets down into the mine. And he does end up getting the people out of the mine, and the gangster that had gotten all these people to do the work for him, they end up framing him as a rebel. So despite the fact that nobody can understand Chewie except for maybe a gesture or two that crosses the language barrier, they're able to free the slaves. He, with Zaro's help, are able to free the slaves on Andelm 4. And as Zaro is seeing Chewbacca back to his A-Wing and off on to his next adventure, Zaro is talking about how it's kind of a shame that there's not going to be any real recognition for this adventure, no real gratitude or anything like that. And Chewie reaches into the A-Wing and pulls out his medal. He actually got a medal, and we discussed this on the podcast last year when the original comic came out, but he gave his medal from the Battle of Yavin to Zaro. Now, this begs the question, of course, of why he wasn't given the medal during the public ceremony. There were legends answers to that, if you will, one of them having to do with the dignity of a princess who would have had to stand on a footstool to put the medal on Chewie, but I think they would have found a better reason for doing that, quite honestly, in the new canon. So I'm curious to hear what they eventually decide about that particular situation. At that point, Chewie takes off and resumes his original mission, which was to go to Kashyyyk, his homeworld. Now, the thing about this is that the Wikipedia thing suggests that he's actually going to visit his own family, and there's a bit of monologue that happens in little, you know, word boxes over these scenes from that Zaro talking, wondering about Chewie's family and that sort of thing. And the conclusion that is arrived at, both, I guess, by this and also by the folks writing for Wikipedia, is that Chewie is going to visit his own family. 
but they don't really rush to greet him, which is making me wonder whether it really is his own family that he's going to visit. When he arrives, it looks like he is arriving at the site of a prayer vigil for all intents and purposes. There is an altar, there's a hologram with a Wookiee being projected out of it, and a number of candles lined up on a shelf. It makes me think somebody's memory is being honored in that moment. And Chewbacca has a box with him, and it turns out that the box contains the bandolier that we actually see on the Wookiee in the hologram in the background of these shots. Now, Wikipedia says that Chewie is giving the bandolier to his own child, but I'm not sure, and maybe I should actually tweet out somebody and ask that question because I don't think it's his own family. And you would think that a child who had not seen Chewbacca for a while and just sees him now would go barreling over to him regardless of whether it was a joyous occasion or whether it was a grief-filled occasion like this particular one certainly seems to be. And he does not. I mean, that's, you know, not just a well maybe this species doesn't do it like i think i'm pretty sure that this species does it so they are definitely very gregarious and outgoing with their emotions like that so i don't know that they necessarily have it right so i'm gonna have to follow up on that but that's a small point and and outside of the story point anyway really the thing that i want to tell you is is that it's a pretty remarkable achievement when your main character does not speak english does not speak basic and yet you're able to craft a story that communicates how he is thinking and what he is going to do and how he's going to respond to things and what he's feeling and do it so well and so thoroughly. It was very well executed. So kudos to Jerry Duggan, the writer, and Phil Noto, the artist of this, for doing such an excellent job. And now you know what Chewbacca did right after the destruction of the Death Star. Now, I've got a trivia question for you, and that's coming up right after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Rouser, you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you gotta do is go to audibletrial.com SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7X7. Welcome back. I've got a trivia question for you right here. Get ready! Okay, for what? Last time I asked you how many times BB-8 zapped Finn after Rey had subdued him, and that's twice. Today's question, how many stormtroopers were at Nima Outpost chasing Rey and Finn and BB-8? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you impersonate a deity, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if the show's been worth your time, please support us at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not against your programming, it's Destiny Unleashed. Podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.